Good evening and welcome to episode 5 of Coming Up Strong. Today we're going to be dealing with depression. Now this is going to be uh, something that we talk about on uh, more than one occasion, so this is not going to be the only um, time I bring this topic up. As always, as you know, I'm very into the meaning of words. Uh, Words have meanings, they have very specific meanings and very specific uses for those meanings. And so we're going to go with the definition of depression, uh, which is feelings of severe despondency and dejection. Now, this is not your normal definition. It has a couple tricky words in there. So I went ahead and broke down um, despondency and dejection. Uh, Despondency is a state of low spirits, caused by a loss of hope or courage. Dejection is sad or low spirits. So if you put those two together, uh, we'll take out despondency and dejection, and uh, we get that depression is the feelings of severe low spirits, um, is basically what it boils down to. Some quick statistics for you, and I'm going to go through... um, Everything that I'm going through um, quicker than usual. I've got a special guest that I'd like to bring on. Um, As always, I do want to give the disclaimer that any thoughts or opinions voiced in this podcast do not reflect any company or organization that I'm affiliated with. And the same goes for my guest. Uh, My guest's uh, thoughts and opinions are theirs and theirs alone, and they do not reflect on Uh, my views or any of my affiliates' views. So 17.3 million Americans are affected by depression in any given year. Uh, That's about 7.1%. Depression often co-occurs with other conditions such as cancer, stroke, heart attack, and uh, substance abuse, which we have spoken about a couple of times, the correlation between... uh, my experience with methamphetamine and uh, the depression that occurred with it. Now, there are several types of depression. The most common one, uh, at least the one that's talked about the most, is major depression. Um, That's uh, clinically defined as feeling depressed most days out of the week. Some of the Symptoms of that include loss of interest in activities that you normally find pleasure in, um, abnormal weight gain or weight loss, feeling of worthlessness, or suicidal thoughts. Uh, A couple of other types of depression uh, is persistent depressive disorder, uh, which is clinically defined as depression lasting two or more years. Some of these symptoms include low self-esteem, trouble concentrating or making decisions, and uh, abnormal sleeping, either too much or too little. Uh, Another one that tends to rear its ugly head uh, is manic depression. Uh, A lot of times this is coupled with bipolar disorder. Um, You have extreme highs and extreme lows. You'll have a lot of energy, and then you'll have a period of major depression. So that one's pretty self-explanatory. It's it's really 
you know, both ends of the spectrum in a very short period of time. Uh, we also have SAD, which is Seasonal Affective Disorder. Um, this is another very common one that uh, people will uh, go through in the winter months where the days are shorter, you're getting less sunlight, or in Alaska, like 90% of your year, I think. From what I've heard, it's pretty dark up there most of the time. Um, and then there's times where the sun never goes down, so that's probably got its own um, type of depression that goes with it. Uh, one for me that is uh, very concerning is uh, psychotic depression. It's the major depression symptoms plus uh, symptoms of uh, a psychotic disorder. Uh, hallucinations, delusions, paranoia, things like that. Um, they're definitely, um, we will come back and touch on um, what to do with the, you know, if you're experiencing any of these. Uh, another very common one that we all will deal with in our lifetime, some of us more than others, um, just kind of depends on how we handle things, um, is situational depression. And this is brought on by stressful events such as death of a loved one or a close friend, divorce or job loss. All three things that most people will deal with in one way or uh, at one time or another. And then, wow, I actually did get through this a lot faster than I thought. <laughs> uh, the last uh, type of depression I'm going to touch on, um, and then I'll bring in my guest, is postpartum depression. And this is a depression that uh, women go through, uh, some women go through after childbirth. And with that, I would like to bring in my guest, my lovely wife, uh, Simone who has dealt with uh, postpartum depression, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, how are you doing, Simone? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. So, my first question is going to be, uh, what what is postpartum depression like? It's... You can't really describe what it's like. You, know, you go nine months with carrying something, feeling something inside of you for for so long to just, within a split second, it's gone. you you got to get used to not having that anymore. And there's times where I wake up and I still wish I felt like this kicks or it's... You know, when you first meet your loved one and you get butterflies in your stomach, it's like that having every day. Mm. Um, the feeling of having the baby inside of you is? No, it, it the, when the baby kicks, it feels mm. like butterflies. Okay, gotcha. Um, now, <laughs> once they get b bigger, of course, it's a lot rougher because they're kicking your ribs and your lungs and <laughs> <laughs> everything else. But when... When you feel that, it's just, it's indescribable. You know, we, our hormones go through the roof. Uh, one minute we're happy, the next minute we're crying over oranges, the next minute we're crying over orange juice. <laughs> and it's, postpartum is, 
I honestly, my personal opinion, I feel like it's worse than depression. How so? When, before I got pregnant, I was diagnosed with depression. I was able to talk to somebody and be able to get out of that hole. With postpartum, you can't, yes, you can talk to somebody, but it's a lot harder to get out of postpartum than it is actual depression. Um, now when it comes to people who are suffering from suicidal depression, that's a different story. But if you're just talking about somebody who isn't happy anymore, who isn't, um, enjoying the things that they like because of something that happened in their past, it's different. Um, now when you combine the two, it's a lot harder to get over. So postpartum depression is is a different type of depression than, say, major depression or uh, manic depression. Uh, part of my uh, first question is going to be, you know, what what were you thinking and feeling, which you answered a lot of that. Um, did you feel, uh, as, as I went through the definitions, you know, a lot of them touched back to hopelessness, worthlessness, uh, does postpartum depression include that, or is, are, are they different uh, emotions, different feelings? It's They're different. Um, it's more of the... You miss the feeling of that the baby in you. You, you miss all of it. Um, so kind of like a nostalgia feeling. Yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't feel like you're help, hopeless or helpless or unwanted. You, it's more of, am I doing the right things for my kid? Am I, I, I breastfed Mickey for the first 10 months. And every time that I was feeding him, I'm like, okay, is he getting enough? Is Am I producing enough? And when you start start sitting there thinking about what ifs, am I doing, doing this correctly? The more stress you get, the more depressed you get because you start decreasing in your supply. So then you start getting depressed over that, which then it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly when it comes to you know, postpartum, you know, there's some women out there that can't breastfeed. So they got to deal with that depression. And there's some people that, you know, can't give their kid what they, what they want. So they deal with that. My postpartum was mostly, I, I felt like I wasn't providing enough for my son. I felt like I wasn't giving him the things that he needed because I what I chose not to eat properly. Mm. So another another thing you have to worry about is your emotions still fluctuating. You know, it takes up to 2 years after a baby's born for your hormones to go back to normal. I did not know that. Yeah. Um same with your hair growth. So, your body completely 
changes and forms to bubble this this baby. You know, your hips widen so you can get do childbirth. Um, your hormones. So you're, it's weird because your hormones go so high that it relaxes all of your muscles so everything can stretch. Mm. And so it's like... You know when you drink an energy drink and you're you're like shaking so bad that like you're like jittery. I, I did meth for many years. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't experience that, <laughs> but I I have heard a lot of people talk about that. Yes, it's it's kind of like that. Yeah, you, know, you you can't control your emotions. You know, it's. I mean, I cried over f- apples. Because my apples were bad. <laughs> yes, uh, that was that was that was a good time. Now you you brought up you know concern for um, providing for our son and and things like that. Um, how did postpartum depression affect your ability to mother, or 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 did it? Or did it affect your ability to um, tend to to your child? I honestly think that. If I wouldn't have been stressing out or worrying too much if I'm providing enough for my kid, that I would have been able to breastfeed longer. Mm. You know, it it's a struggle because, you know, from day one when you find out that you're pregnant, you're automatically a mother. Mm-hmm. You watch what you eat. You do the things to make sure that you you keep your child safe. You know, you don't clean out litter boxes. You don't... You know, do the things that can harm the pregnancy. So, even after they're here, you're doing everything that you can to make sure that they're getting what they need. And when you feel like you can't, that makes things worse. So, you know, when it comes to postpartum, if you have somebody to talk to, you know, another female, somebody who's gone through it, somebody who knows what you're going through talk to them because it's going to be a lot easier to deal with it rather than talking to somebody that has never experienced it right so how how did you know that that you were suffering from postpartum depression were you were you diagnosed is it just you had a feeling that you know you were dealing with something so you went to webmd and answered a bunch of questions and they said you either lost your arm or you have postpartum depression. How did, how, how, did, how did that go? How did you know for sure that you were suffering from it? I knew something was different from the day that I had Nikki. Um, it's just, it's, it's like, it's a mother instinct. You, mm-hmm. you know that, you know that there's something wrong, but you can't pinpoint it. Um, I know when I went back to the doctor for a checkup, that's when they told me, you know, you do have postpartum. And I, you you know it from get-go. So having it confirmed by, by two doctors is what made me realize that, okay, maybe this is true. So when you, when you got that, that diagnosis, even though, as you said, you know, you, you already knew, um, perhaps you didn't, you know, know what it was called or, you know, didn't want to admit it, but when when you were finally faced with, you know, you have postpartum depression, how did that affect you personally? I didn't want to admit it. You know, 
you are supposed to be the strong, strong and independent person who is supposed to be, you know, this superhero to your kid, you don't want to admit that there's something wrong with you. I mean, even when, even before I was diagnosed with postpartum and I was diagnosed with depression, I didn't want to admit it at first. It was when I quit eating that I was like, okay, I need help. It's hard to, to be confronted with things that we don't want to, to face and, or things that have a stigma such as depression or anything uh, regarding mental health. Um, how, how how did you get through it? What did you do to kind of um, make things a little easier? I mean, I know um, me with my depression, when I was feeling like there were days that were just super low, I'd go outside and just soak up some sun, walk around, um, things like that. What did you do to, to kind of get through that, that time? Well, I mean, I did talk to a therapist um, I actually went to him once a week, uh, sometimes twice a week. Um, but when I when it first starting out, I did talk to him about once a week. But if there were times where I wasn't able to talk to him or I couldn't get in to see him, I would either draw out my feelings or I would listen to music. My favorite genre of music to listen to when I'm depressed is R&B. And this is with your postpartum depression, right? It's with both. With both? Okay. Mm-hmm. With the postpartum, I go play with my son. You know, it's, it's helpful to have somebody or something to distract you. So you're not thinking about it. You get a, when, when you're by yourself, you, you have a thousand things going through your head Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be doing this? Am I doing this right? You know, you just, you have these many things going through your head and then it, it takes you back into that sinkhole. You keep your mind bo- your mind and your body occupied, you're not going to think about it as much and you're not going to be as depressed as much. I will admit, there are still days that I have the depression. You know, there's there's days that... You know, I'm like, okay, I do need to go see a therapist. But then I I look on the baby monitor and I see my son and I'm like, okay. That makes me a little bit better. And I go in and I play with him. Now you say there are still days that you deal with depression. Is this your depression from before you got pregnant or is this still some of that postpartum depression lingering on? It's both. Um... I miss being pregnant. I miss, you know, having that that closeness with my kid. You know, there's days where he just, he doesn't want anything to do with me. But then there are days that I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, my pregnancy and him being there, you know. It's like, I don't know, it's uncomparable. To anything. I can imagine. It's definitely a unique um, experience. You uh, you never love somebody or something more than when you have a kid. That kid is your whole world. 
Now, this is a, a question that just uh, came up in my mind while you, while you were talking. Uh, you were talking about how uh, the postpartum depression uh, was affecting you. Um, how, how, do you, how do you think, or from your perspective, uh, did postpartum depression affect the, your relationships with others, whether it be me, um, your family, my family, just our friends, the people that you interact with? Did that postpartum depression you know, affect those relationships in any way? Or, it's, uh, it's not much, so much my postpartum that affected my relationships. It's more of my depression that affected my relationships. You know, growing up, I didn't have the greatest life. You know, I had few babysitters that mistreated me and my brother. And so when I had Mickey, I flat out was like, I'm not putting him in daycare. <laughs> I, I've been through it. I've dealt with it. I, I don't want to put my kid through that, especially since the fact that he can't tell me what's wrong. He can't tell me if somebody's hurting him. I'm not going to put me, my son, or my family in that position to wake up one day and our kid not here because somebody decided to mistreat our child. You know, that's another thing that goes through my head with the depression. It's like, if I don't... If I... For you, example, when I left him with you for the first time... What is he doing? Is he, is he okay? Is he being fed? Is he being? Is he going to bed? Has his diaper been changed? Is he awake? Is he driving my husband nuts? Like, you have all these things running through your head. And, and honestly, I I don't recommend having a kid when you are already battling depression, mm. because the postpartum makes things worse. You know, I've been dealing with depression for four years now, five years now, four, because it was um, while I was working at Capital One. So I've been dealing with it for, for four years. And unless you can really get a grasp on it and know how to deal with it. It's not fair on you to deal with postpartum either. So the postpartum will amplify the depression you're already experiencing. Oh, yeah. It'll amplify it two times more than... I mean, when I was pregnant, you know, I always had the concern of, are you cheating on me? Are you, um, are you talking to somebody else? Are you, am I ugly? Am I fat? Or, you know, it's just your hormones. I'm going to stress the hormones. Hormones are the worst in females. You know, it's. Pregnant or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think pregnant is worse. <laughs> yes, it is. So. Having both depressions, it's it's rough. Now you mentioned you know the the fear that comes with with parenthood. 
and uh, this is something I shared on my personal Facebook uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, our son is now 16 months old, and uh, you know we have we have a place in Delaware County, um, and last week a uh, a boy uh, not much older than our son uh, went missing from his home very close to where we have uh, property in the sticks Mm -hmm. and uh, Mickey was getting up from his nap as uh, as that story came across my phone and you know I I looked at it and just kind of blew it off I'll look at it later and as I'm changing his diaper that that story flashed back in my mind and I started thinking what what if that was my son? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I I held I held him and I cried for you know a good spell. Uh, how does how does you know how does that make you feel as as a parent? You know when you see stories that uh, hit a little closer to home than say you know a, a seven year old that might have gone through the same thing. And I do want to put a disclosure out there the 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 boy was found safe 24 hours after he went missing a little over 24 hours um he's been reunited with his family no harm he's you know perfectly healthy perfectly fine but how how does that how do stories like that you know with with kids that are uh, close to to your child's age how how does that uh, trigger things in your in your mind what does that make you feel when you hear stories about that I, I'm indifferent on it. Um, my first thing is, why were you not watching your kid? You know, cell phones have become a big impact in this generation now. You know, it's, six-year-olds have cell phones. Right. But parents who have cell phones and they're not paying attention to their kid or trying, you know, I don't know the full story on what happened with that kid, but my the first thing that runs through any story that involves a kid, you know, that that story where the kid fell in the uh, gorilla mm-hmm. thing, it's like first of all, why were you allowing your kid close enough to the railing anyway to allow them to get in? Right. You know, I see it as a parent's fault. But I also see it as kids are really fast. Yeah. Especially when they're starting to walk. I mean, it's like you look up and they're halfway across the house. Mm-hmm. You know, I vaguely heard about the story, but I'm I'm not a huge news person. I don't like listening to the news. I don't like watching it because... <laughs> They don't ever talk about good things on the news. It's always horrible things. Right. I mean, it's raining. <laughs> I mean, it's why I don't listen to the weather. I mean, we're in Oklahoma, but, you know, weather will change in five minutes. But it's just, when you told me that story, it's like, the first thing that popped in my head is, where's, where was the parents? Right. And and I should have disclosed that. there The property there is very similar uh, to the setup that, um, we have on our own property, uh, um, you know, the parents of the boy live on the same property as their parents. So the boy was actually walking over to grandma's house 
and never made it there. So it was, I want to say it was like 150 feet, you know, very close proximity. Something that they probably do quite often and don't even think about it. Um, I'm sure they will now, but um, so just that was just something that had popped into my mind. Um, well, I mean, with that being said, I mean, first of all, if your si- your kid is 16 months old, why are you allowing? It was two them? years, but yeah. Two years. Why are you allowing your two year old kid to walk over to somebody else's house by themselves? Very good point. I mean, when so with your grandparents living next door to your parents. You know, when your niece and nephew come over and they want to go see Granny or Grandpa, you know. Exactly. Somebody was walking over there with them and then came back. That's what should have happened with this kid. You know, it doesn't matter if you've done it four times or 400 times. You still need to have that watch over your kid just because of stuff like this happening. And, you know, what would have happened if they would have never found that kid? I don't even want to think about that. Right. Um, it, it's just, you've got to be careful nowadays. I mean, I know, you know, well, when I was a kid, I did this. Well, we're in 2020. Things are changing. I mean, now we can't even play out in the streets because we never know what's going to happen in the streets. No. Drivers definitely are not uh, paying attention, speeding. Texting, all, driving. All kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you want to say to those who think they might be suffering from uh, any kind of depression, postpartum depression? Um, you can definitely touch on better than I can, but just overall any depression. Is, is there anything, any advice that you would like to give as somebody who has battled depression for so long? Coming from somebody that's that has been battling with it and did not want to admit it, If you feel like you are going down a path that you shouldn't go, whether it's, you know, suicidal thoughts or unworthiness or anything like that, reach out to somebody and talk to them. Because so many loved ones are being taken away because of depression. You know, one of our best friends, her boyfriend, just not even six months ago. Actually, it's been a little over six a little months. Over six months, right before Thanksgiving. He he took his own life, mm-hmm. but he he didn't want to get the help that he needed. You know, I understand that some people may not like medication, or some people may not like talking to people, some people may not like talking to strangers. Reach out to somebody. There is always going to be somebody with an open ear that will be willing to listen. You know, there's a suicide hotline. There's um, a hotline that you can just call and talk to if you're feeling any kind of depression. Call somebody and talk to them. And it's awesome that you uh, brought both of those up because I actually, I have those here uh, written down to to talk to or to uh, talk about. Um, But you did touch on, on... suicide and um our good friend who who went through that and um i was definitely involved in that mm-hmm. and so if you know people who have these thoughts it's uh it's a tunnel vision um from personal experience um 
you know, it can be hard to, to think about who all is going to be affected by, by that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, the people that love you and, um, your friends, your family, um, I, I vaguely knew this man, but I'm actually the one who found him. And, um, every now and then that, that image comes back in my mind and it's strange because being, uh, in emergency medical services, you know, first as a first responder and being in the funeral industry, you know, finding bodies, seeing bodies is, is nothing I'm, I'm foreign to, but this one, you know, every now and then will flash back in my mind just because I have that, you know, it's, it's closer than, you know, just another call. Um, this is someone that was loved by someone I care for very deeply. And, and because of that, that affects me. Mm -hmm. It by no means was the most, uh, traumatic scene I had ever seen. Um, it was very peaceful, but it still gets, still got burned into, into my, uh, into my mind. And that's something that I will never forget. And, um, for those that are, you know, having those thoughts, these are, you know, this is the kind of, uh, thing that, uh, is left behind. Uh, another good friend of mine, um, unfortunately is, uh, learning about, uh, suicide as well with his father-in-law who, um, actually set himself on fire in his car. And of course, you know, that's very traumatic for, for my friend, but I have to think what kind of, uh, and this kind of sounds weird, what kind of pain was he in? Not from the fire, but what, what kind of mental anguish was he going through that this was his, his right. uh, choice? I mean, that I can't imagine battling with those demons. And so, you know, with that, talk to your doctor. There's two or three different tests that uh, the doctor will give you either a series of anywhere from 5 to 18 questions. Answer those questions honestly. Um, one of the questions is, uh, do you feel like people would be better off without you here? And I always, um, I always understood that question to mean, you know, are you thinking about killing yourself? And... So my question, my answer to that question has always been no. It wasn't until recently I was on a fishing trip with a friend of mine and we were talking about depression that he struggles with and he brought that question up and he looked at that question differently and it really opened my eyes to that question. His answer was yes, but not in a suicidal way and that intrigued me. What he said next hit me really hard because I have, I've thought that several times. It's not that I would be, but you know, everyone would be better off if I was dead. It's that it feels to me like all of the problems that are going on in life all connect to me. And I feel like the people that I love would not be dealing with these problems if I wasn't in the middle of, of their life. And that really 
flipped a light on for me and, and you know flipped the script so to speak on that question and so I'm actually going to be talking with my doctor um because you know after after talking with him about that that I I can't say no to that question because I absolutely do feel like that sometimes yeah you know going back on the suicidal thoughts you know back when I was 15 and just starting out freshman year I tried to commit suicide you know I I just lost my virginity I was going to um, a different school than the guy I lost it to so when we broke up it wasn't as hard you know dealing with it but then my mom told it told us that we were moving to Tulsa and I was like wait what and I was so scared that I'd be going to the same high school with him just because of everything that just happened. And lo and behold, I ended up going to his high school. <laughs> and he was one of those. He was a football player. He was friends with everybody and anybody. Big body, small mind. Yeah. Well, he made everybody hate me. Even before I even got there. And I remember the day I was sitting on my computer... And he was messaging me, and he flat out told me one day that I was better off dead. Nobody wanted me alive. So I went in the bathroom, and I grabbed a full bottle, 180 pills in a bottle of ibuprofen, and I took them all at once. After that happened, I was scared to call, talk to my mom, do anything. Like, I was scared. All I wanted to do was go to sleep. I woke up the next morning and I prayed and I thank God that I was alive. And I went to school and I went to the counselor's office and I got help. You know, suicide is not a easy scapegoat. You know, you you may think, okay, this is going to be better for everyone, but it's not. It's It may end your pain. But it puts all that pain on millions of other people. It amplifies it to others. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to deal with how your parents are feeling, how your siblings are feeling, how your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, you know, they're going to have to live with that. They're going to have to live with knowing that they're not going to be able to see you grow up. They're not going to see what you accomplished, what you bring into this world. They're going to have the memory of my kid had depression. And there are some parents out there that blame blame themselves. You know, what could I have done better? What was I doing wrong? You know, so... With everything that's going on in your mind, before you do anything, ask yourself, who is this going to affect if I'm gone, who's going to be hurting? And if that stops you from doing it, then reach out to somebody. I mean, I'm open and willing to talk to anybody and everybody that is needing to talk to somebody. I'm a great listener. I'm a great person to give feedback to. And 
I'm just, I'm thankful for the people that actually listened and helped me through the things that I had to get through. Well, I can say I am as well. <laughs> and, uh, and she's right. You know, you're, you're not alone in this. Um, there's a couple of hotlines that she had mentioned earlier. Um, one is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Um, that's a really long-ass name, so they've just shortened it to SAMHSA. And uh, they offer free referral services, assistance with doctor visits and medication costs. They don't want uh, finances or lack of finances to be a reason that you do not get help or you don't reach out to someone. So uh, especially if you're uh, struggling financially, we've, we've all gone through this COVID-19 thing recently. So pretty much everybody is, is in a financial hardship right now. Um, reach out to the, the people at SAMHSA. And their number is uh, 1-800-662-4357. And I'll post that number in the um, comments on our Facebook page. Um, the second one is, a, is equally as important. It's the uh, Suicide Lifeline. Uh, if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, if you have that uh, dark feeling of hopelessness, worthlessness, you know, you just, you're ready to end it all. It doesn't matter if it's just a thought or if you're um, looking at, you know, a bottle of pills or standing on the side of a bridge, you know, whatever the situation is, if you have these thoughts, before you do anything, call the Suicide Lifeline. Their number is one 237 8255 Both of these phone numbers are 24-hour uh, phone numbers. There's always going to be somebody there to answer, to listen, and to care. Um, I do want to thank Simone for taking time out of her day to come on and, and, and talk with us about her experience with depression and, and postpartum depression and, um, and just uh, chatting with us. Um, so thank you very much for that. You're welcome. And uh, until next time, you know, be kind, Tulsa. Wash your hands. We're going to get through this together. We're almost through the whole COVID-19 thing. Everything's starting to get back to normal. Um, if you are feeling these feelings, reach out. I can't stress that enough. Until next time, this has been Coming Up Strong.